Hey everybody, my name is Nick and this is the Hockey Podcast, the Hockey Show Podcast, I should say. Uh, the first ever episode and very excited to be joined by one of my good buddies, uh, John, big hockey fan. We used to do a podcast together. John, hello. Once upon a time, once upon a time, we're bringing things back from the dead. Yeah. Little Mermaid's yeah. big, Mortal Kombat movie, lots of other nostalgic things I can't think of off the top of my head. So we are cashing in. Yeah, it's uh, we're we're the top. Uh, we went just kind of coming back. This is our requel. Uh, it's a reboot sequel right here of an old hockey show we did when we both worked in sports talk radio. And, and as most people know, if I'm not speaking to someone on podcast form, they cease to exist to me. So mm -hmm. it's good for you to exist again. Yeah, I know uh, you as well. Even though we got snapchat streaks that uh still are going strong and pretty much talk every day but yeah it's official yeah. again because we're back in the yeah. podcast form and i can see you which is just totally like mind-blowing these days yeah yeah well in the last couple of years we all got really good at using technology for things like this i feel like yeah and that's why we're able to podcast from two separate states again which is pretty yes nice. Uh, and, uh, but I don't think anyone's here to hear about that or hear no, about no, the no, origin no. stories or the nostalgia. No, no, no. This is this isn't our uh, our origin story and how we became the Joker uh, before part two. Uh, this is about hockey. Uh, we are both huge hockey fans. We were in the same fraternity. We both we went to the last Ranger Detroit Red Wings game at the Joe together uh we've we've been through a lot we we've we've covered the norfolk admirals when they were actually uh an ahl affiliate not an echl affiliate uh and we figured why not talk the lovely sport of hockey and why not get into a season preview in this first episode so uh that way at the end of the season you can look back and go wow john and nick are really smart at hockey absolutely you know we personally guarantee all of these predictions Oh, yeah. to come true this is a spoiler alert yeah but basically we, we got we when we put something together like this this might as well be the script for the season oh, God. that's have, how good we are at this you have a book of notes and i just have a, a, a notes on my phone every team <laughs> notes from every team on my phone so uh yeah uh, i did want to hit though before we get into the season preview uh i wanted to get your thoughts uh really quickly uh two other pieces of hockey news matt barzell eight years 73.2 million dollar deal staying with the new york islanders you a fan of this uh th this this deal john well i wanted to have something ready for this because we know this is your favorite team to talk about oh i love uh, talking about them yeah the uh for what barzell is to this team this seems like a decent value to me which seems to be the opposite of what a lot of people were saying. But when I, my gut reaction to this, knowing that he is the heart and soul of that Islanders team, uh, some might say the lone bright spot on the roster at the moment. Uh, I thought that was pretty, pretty fair of him to do uh, nine and a half. Realistically, if you put him out on the open market, he probably would have gotten a lot more than that. Uh, and of course, the big difference for it all being that this signing comes with news that the salary cap going to jump up in a couple of years here. So I feel like he will age very well into this contract. 
Yeah, he's 25. Uh, and at that, that little over $9 million hit, you're right. Uh, as, as, as he ages into this deal, when that cap jumps up in like two years or so, this is going to look good on the back end of the deal. It, it, you know, it, eight years at 25. So uh, math hard 33. He's, he's hitting free agency, <laughs> you know, um, that's, that's a great deal, you know, for what is essentially their first line center, their top guy. Uh, I, I will say I like this signing as well because they didn't put themselves in the Tavares situation again. Well, I think every team's trying to avoid being in that Tavares situation now after seeing how that happened. Exactly. But, he, but yeah, he he had 20 goals, or excuse me, he had 15 goals last year, probably good for at least 20 this year. Uh, the In a vacuum, the Islanders are really tough to wrap your head around because yeah. on the one hand, there's no reason they should be that bad again. Started the year with a 13-game road trip. Lo and behold, had COVID wreck the entire team through December. By the time they got to playing as a full team, almost all meaningful hockey was done. So I don't think anyone expects the Islanders to be as bad as they were last year. But at the same time, they didn't change a whole lot and when and when you have these big money deals going to the Clutterbucks and Sezikis's and Matt Martins of the world you know they're they're all on the wrong side of 30 so I so I don't know that aging this roster another year is going to be all that helpful yeah it's the Islanders are a weird team and and I can't wait to talk about them a little bit more in depth uh when we when we really dive into uh, the metro division for our season preview because you're right like they are they are Lou Lamorello hamstrung right now uh and 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 Barzell is really the brightest spot on that roster that's why i like the deal but you make great points with the other guys the guys that are all over 30 that are eating big salary cap uh, for that team right now really has them in a weird position of, yeah, they're not going to be as bad as last year, but I don't know how much better they get because of also how tough the Metropolitan Division is and how some other teams in the Metro got better. Columbus, Johnny, you know, Goudreau being added, but the Islanders not just sticking the Lou Lamorello course is so it can work, but it's going to be tough. They're definitely not the Barry Trotz team. And, and by fi- and firing Barry Trotz, I think is going to come back and we're going to learn very quickly that a, a lot of the last, that three year success that they had was a lot of Barry Trotz. Absolutely. I mean, Barry Trotz could take a beer league team and make them at least somewhat win a couple games in the NHL with it. Uh, mm-hmm. And at the same time, you may be able to tie a lot of that to Matthew Barzal not producing as much in the sense that, you know, if Lane Lambert is really going to, you know, take the gloves off and let him flourish offensively, then this contract could potentially end up looking like a serious bargain by the end of the season. But at the same time, you know, the could the Barry Trotz teams have a real tendency to be able to patch over 
some real serious flaws and some real serious issues. You saw how long he was there in Nashville. There were a number of years Nashville was a very competitive team, despite having almost no offensive talent to speak of. He's that good at being a defensive systems coach. Lane Lambert has the potential to really kind of do the same thing, but I think he also has the benefit of being able to stand back and see what things were like under Barry and where they maybe could have gotten better, at least last year, definitely. So that well, they are they're a team I'm really looking forward to seeing how it shakes out. Well, I think last year you hit it. It was it was that ridiculous, unfair. What the hell is the NHL doing? The schedule maker stretch of they don't play a home game for like twenty games, and then getting struck with COVID right when they get back home, and it takes everybody out. But at the same time, for me, it, it really is. While a lot of teams in that in in the East got better Ottawa as well another team that you know like got better in the east side of things as opposed to the west I think it's just a harder path for the Islanders to be a good team they're gonna have a lot more competition than they did during those trot years and I think Lou is also not somebody you can trust when it comes to those new coaches uh this is a guy that I I legit before we did this show over the summer I told you we were when we were talking about it last year I said oh, this is going to be the Islanders missing the playoffs is going to be the excuse Lou Lamorello uses to fire a great coach. Joking, and then the son of a gun did it. He actually fired a, a, a coach that has won the Jack Adams Award, that it, like is one of the best coaches in the game and could turn any team around. He could maybe even make the Coyotes somewhat of a contender. That's how good of a coach he is, and he fired him, and I just don't trust Lou when it comes to a coach, because if they get off to a start like they did those first 20 games, I could see Lou, Lou pulling the, you know what, it's time for me to get behind the bench and already fire another coach. Wouldn't it be the first time? I halfway, halfway expected that out of Lou, and... To a certain point, you can see it as a strategic move because if it's been known for a while that uh, Lane Lambert was the next head coach in waiting, someone was going to hire this guy. And so you, and so you don't want to lose somebody like that for nothing. But at the same time, is getting rid of Barry Trotz really the move to make? I suppose time will tell this year. I could see yeah. them being a bubble team, but I don't have tremendously high hopes for him. Yeah, I don't either, because, uh, again, we'll get to a lot of the uh, Atlantic and Metro teams, and, and I'll explain further the ones that I feel are the true contenders uh, and the ones that, you know, are bubbles, and, and the Islanders are on that bubble. Uh, before we move on, did you want to quickly hit, uh, I also wrote down the digital boards that we are going to be getting uh, this season. Did you want to quickly hit that, or just kind of... Yeah, so I saw those briefly, and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I have, over the years, I've become very familiar with Canadian Tire. Mm -hmm. I've become very familiar with Boston Pizza. I have become, anytime I watch a Montreal broadcast, I'm learning all kinds of French company names. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to broadcast that to a guy like me who's not anywhere near any of these so I'm gonna I'm gonna miss it a little bit because I feel like 
half the fun of watching another team's broadcast was seeing the weird advertisements for the St. Louis liquor stores or whoever else was sponsoring these other teams. Uh, what's concerning is watching some of the video, it looked like some of the board ads changed mid game or like while the puck was still in play. And I worry that that could be really, really distracting. So I have concern for that, but beyond that, probably a good idea. See, and I saw those photos as well, but I figure, I mean, it is the NHL and they tend to never do the smart thing. But Major League Baseball has the, you know, their signs behind uh, home plate. They move during the course of the game, but they don't move when the pitcher's pitching. So I feel like the NHL would be wise, and whoever is handling the digital boards will not decide, oh, it's time to change it up, you know, from Papa John's to the car dealership as the play is breaking out of the zone, and that they'll wait and that they'll do it during timeouts and, and, you know, we'll come back from, you know, like the puck will be covered and it would be Papa John's, but now all of a sudden Domino's is there and it's like, wow, did they just really do back-to-back different pizza national places? But you know, you get the point, Uh, but you did hit, you did hit the thing though, that does kind of make me sad about it. And it is the fact that watching other games, I'm not going to get to see Tim Horton's, plastered on the boards anymore Uh, you know i'm not going to get to see what these other cities have to offer and that's a little upsetting you know because it's just fun to see what they have on their boards who they're advertising maybe it opens my eyes to something seriously if it wasn't for watching like maple leaves games i would never have known about tim hortons and when i came to visit you in columbus wouldn't have been losing my mind to get to tim hortons like it's because of all the Canadian hockey I watched seeing that and being like, I want Tim Hortons. I need Tim Hortons. I call myself a hockey fan and I've never had Tim Hortons and I have, and it's, it's Tim Hortons, man. It's, you know, it's there next time I'm up your way. Coffee, substandard food. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) Just like sheets. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Yeah. And I, I'm curious from the hockey business standpoint to see how much this opens it up, because obviously if I'm watching Red Wings broadcasts, then they are going to be cycling through the standard, you know, bell tire, little Caesars, everything that you usually see in any sort of Michigan broadcast. But I wonder how much it's going to get localized in the sense that do you have the ability to if somebody's watching from Maryland they have a great a, an ad for Green Turtle, but if that same person is watching the same game in Toronto, they have that Tim Hortons ad. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it does that limit itself just to North America. Can you start selling sponsorships to Swedes or Finns or the Danes watching the game overseas and stuff like that? It could open up a whole lot of other stuff with that and and when they said you can't tell the difference between that and the actual boards they're right about that looking at that i couldn't tell the difference until it changed yeah it's it's not it's not overly distracting it's it's not like when they first introduced the which now we're all accustomed to uh the advertisements on the glass behind the goalies net where they started doing that that was very abrupt and very like what the hell happened to my sport 
uh, and I kind of get it. But yeah, this is very small. This is not a big change. I do think it's kind of cool because I did see that they said like, uh, so for those of you who do not know, as new inductees to John and myself, I'm a Rangers fan. So when I'm watching the Rangers play Philly, like, I, I guess on my broadcast now, instead of getting the Wells Fargo ads that dominate Philly, Chase Bank will be able to be advertised on the Ranger broadcast then. So they'll be able to keep the what's specific to your team. So yeah, you know, watching Toronto, I'll still probably get Tim Hortons, but you're right. Like it opens the door for a lot of other national and, and other companies to jump in on the advertising game, which is always great. I am a fan for advertising coming in because advertising means more money for the league, more money for the league, more money put back into the league means cap goes up, all the good stuff. More money for players, too. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's, it's a win-win for everybody when advertising is increasing in every area. And and I've never been, typically been a guy that gets too worked up over advertisements in the (laughs) game. If If you, you know, made it the Stanley Cup presented by Honda, I might have an issue with that. But outside of that, I don't think that I get too bothered by it you know the ads on the helmets were a little jarring once or twice and then you forgot they were there you know yeah. the ads on the ice you barely notice them after a certain point the same thing will happen with the uh patches on the jerseys did, did you see that that's coming in this year as well i did i did and you know yeah it's it was a little jarring but uh, you're right i i know at the end of the day i'm not going to really notice it until it's you know play stopped and the camera guy zooms in on the guy it's like yeah oh yeah that's right they're spot the the jersey has a sponsor now yeah and i think everyone knows they don't want to turn it into european leagues where the team where the jersey is almost entirely ads some minor uh european leagues look closer to nascar drivers mm-hmm. uh than to hockey players sometimes but i i think they have an idea of where they're going with it they're small patches they don't want to be too intrusive it was probably already always going to come to this but uh the circumstances of the last couple of years probably accelerated that a little bit which is okay. far from the end of the world absolutely all right so uh we got that out of the way i'm done i'm done talking about advertisements uh, let's get into the meat of it. Why everybody's here today? Our predictions, our breakdown, our season review. As we are now less than a week away from the puck drop, uh, as we record this, I know TNT has a game tonight. Rangers and the Bruins are playing a little preseason hockey. Uh, but yeah, a, a week from today, the uh, the puck drops. Uh, so you want to start with the Atlantic for our season preview? Or yeah, we can start with the Atlantic. That? All right. Uh, let's start with uh, let's start with the Boston Bruins then, because that's who I have the top of my list. All right, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. What so, your, what what are your thoughts on the Bruins? Let Let's just go there. I'll, I'll let you start it off. What's your take on this Bruins team? I think it's really interesting that their solution to the hole they had on the second line with David Krejci departing uh, was to bring back David Krejci. That was uh, that was kind of surprising, uh, but you know th- this is a team that is going to hit the wall eventually 
when it comes to age. You saw Chara already departed. You saw a lot of defensemen departed. Uh, Brad Marchand is way up there for it. Uh, Patrice Bergeron is older than we are, which is always a very worrying thing for any NHL player. Uh, so you got to wonder at what point do they really start to fall off. And I think that the improvements you saw teams like Montreal and Ottawa and teams like that made are going to make this a really difficult division to compete in. Agreed. Especially because, yeah, the Bruins have a new coach. That's great. That's wonderful. But it's they brought back all the same old players. All, and you got to remember that Shan is... Uh, so is uh, McAvoy as well. Uh, they're both down for, um, I think, about the first month of the season or so. Uh, yeah. Might be a little bit longer than that. But yeah. that that's like, the they're still a good team because we see how good they are year in and year out. They're that team that always finds a way. Uh, they're like the Capitals and the Penguins, who I cannot wait to talk about as well, where it's like, Okay, when are they going to have the San Jose Shark fall off? Oh, not yet? Okay, well, it's got to be this year. Oh, not yet? Oh, well, it's going to be this year. So until I actually see the fall off, I cannot bet against them, even with two big guys out to start the year. So, But I think that's the thing, that if they do miss the playoffs, that's what it's going to come down to, is the start of the season of stumble out. That's going to be the thing that keeps them out of the playoffs at the end. Absolutely. I still think they're a playoff I, I, team, though. Yeah, I, I just think they are closer to being a bubble team than uh, being a lock for one of the top three in the division mm -hmm. that are getting in, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, and and the, that defense, yeah, I mean, your top pair is Hampus Limholm and Charlie McAvoy. That's a pretty scary combination. Yes. Uh, as far as offensive on the right side, defensive on the left side, I could not pair it up a lot better on most teams. Uh, but there's just there's going to be a lot of injury concern. Uh, their goaltending, not necessarily anything to write home about, but a lot of times that's all you need out of goaltending. So it it's I, if I had to pick them I, somewhere in the division, I'd say fourth, maybe fifth. Yeah, I, I got them. I, I actually have them as uh, number three, the three C coming out of the um, out of the uh, Atlantic there. Just just again, it's really hard to it's hard to bet against these teams and look against these teams that just find a way to win because these guys are seasoned. They know how to win as well. So it, it's hard to look against them. So I do have them as a top three out of the Atlantic. Uh, moving on, uh, I'm very excited to talk about this team, actually. Uh, finally, after, what, six years, John, of suffering, uh, I think there's a little bit of hope for your Detroit Red Wings. You you might call it that. Uh, I am... A little bit. <laughs> I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, you know, having the reigning Calder Trophy winner uh, certainly never hurts anything. And what you saw a lot out of this Detroit team last year was oh, there's there's always teams that end up losing a lot, right? But there's a really big difference between losing three to four, two to three, one to two, and just getting completely blown out. There were 
four different games last year where the Red Wings allowed more than 10 goals. There was multiple scenarios where you could point to them having a goal differential of eight or seven by the end of the game. Uh, there was all kinds of different concerns there. So you really saw Steve Eiserman, I think, just kind of say to hell with this. This isn't acceptable. We're going to show this isn't acceptable by replacing half the damn team with free agents. Uh, now, not all of these moves were created equally. Uh, Andrew Kopp, love it. Really increases the Michigan per 60, especially since he was product of the University of Michigan with his buddy Dylan Larkin. So you love to see something like that. Uh, Vili Huso for a third. I'll take that all day, especially knowing how many teams change goaltenders this offseason. You can't be mad at that. But then you start to see some deals like Ben Sherratt for four years, a shade under $5 million, and wonder where everyone's head at is that with that or could you just get to the point where you couldn't stop signing people this offseason uh my the big theory that a lot of red wings fans have said about it has been that they got pushed around too much in front of their net last year and someone like there like ben Sherratt just comes in to hurt people uh which you know he's being compensated very handsomely for uh but at the same time you got you know, I would like him a lot more if he wasn't slotted in to be a first pairing guy. So maybe that'll change as the year goes on. I don't really know, uh, but I'm more excited for Red Wings hockey than I have been in a couple of years. Uh, still not sure they're a playoff team at this point, but they're going to be a little bit more respectable, I think. Yeah, this team is definitely going to be better. Uh, finally, Iserman, uh that's what I mean by that, is that if you're a Red Wings fan, you should be cautious, but optimistic and very excited about where the team is right now, because everything you just mentioned, that's an offseason that indicates, okay, we're, we're ready to take that next step. We're ready to start competing again to put a team out there. We're not tanking. We're not doing what, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks are up to right now and a few other teams because it's a really good draft coming up, uh, three potential game-changing franchise players, you know, that's, that's going to cause a fun chase to the bottom. Uh, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a new day. It, there's, there's a little bit of light finally coming to the Red Wings organization, and I don't think they're going to be a playoff team because they're not ready to take that step this year. But they're going to be a team that you don't want to play. They're going to be a lot harder to face they're going to be more competitive uh, i really do love the cop signing for you guys you know what he did in new york in that playoff run last year uh really showcased the type of player that he could be so he's a good he's a good second line center uh guy that could play wing as well and and really there's just a solid team there uh not a playoff team yet but a very solid team that that is going to be fun to watch and, and from the outside looking in, I think a real interesting thing for people to watch with the Red Wings this year is what happens with Tyler Bertuzzi as well. Uh, we It's been 
covered to death, so I don't really want to hash too much of it out, but uh, he is the only player in the NHL to not get vaccinated, which meant he could not play in any games that took place in Canada last year. Uh, so far this year, I do believe that restriction has been lifted. So you yeah. got to believe that makes him a little more valuable. I know teams like Toronto were always sniffing around him, trying to see if there was a way to pry him loose. He's got one year left on a $4.75 million contract. And I think it would be really interesting to see where he ends up just because by the time Detroit's competitive, I don't know that he'll be at the age that he'll be a huge contributor to that. He's uh, how old is he right now? 27. Yeah, so you're looking at having to give him at least a five-year deal when he's turning. And 20. he's a UFA next year, so yeah, five it, they, years. So you're looking at about thirty-four, thirty-five. He's there till. I mean, those first three years of that deal will be, you know, you're getting pretty much the rest of the prime. After that, it gets a little hairy, but it it's 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 Detroit's Crider situation. You yeah. have a guy where you know it's going to take five to six million dollars to lock him in. You know it's going to be a few years. Do you want the last three years of that contract? Do you think that it's something that you can live with, something you can move, or do you try and move him for something at the deadline? So it will be interesting to see where they're at. Because I think if I think if you're sniffing the playoffs at that point, maybe sitting at eleven or ten you know, five, six points back. I, I don't think you make that trade. I think you try and either stay the course or maybe do that like low end ad of like, we gave up a six round pick for, you know, the spot player for the third line right winger or whatever, the fourth line guy, the Brendan Lemieux style player. Uh, where see, we made a move, we're competitive, but not really jeopardizing the future. Yeah, that's good. That's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's take a look at the Florida Panthers, which I think are going to be uh, one of the more interesting teams this year. Uh, I just want to say they are going to still be an extremely fun team to watch, but I think they are going to see a massive drop off this year. Uh, I think they won the Brady uh, Kachuk trade. But I also think that this team, their goaltending is just so old and questionable. Uh, the blue line is weak, and it could all fall apart so quickly, uh, especially with teams like Detroit not being now being more. It'd be harder for the Panthers, and I actually think they're going to take a drop uh, to where they end up being one of the wild this year i think they're a playoff team and they're going to be super fun to watch but that defense and goaltending is so questionable any sign of fracture is going to be the downfall of florida and so so here's a fun thing for you gustav forsling how did he end up on the team i don't know he got picked up off waivers and he's going to be one of their starters. That tells you a lot about the Florida Panthers defense in a nutshell right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To, to what you alluded to, uh, the goaltending is Sergei Bobrovsky at $10 million a year. And, oh. and Spencer Knight, who is 
who is coming off the last year of his entry level deal. So that is 13% of your cap that's taken up by goaltending. And by the way, Spencer Knight's extension hasn't kicked in just yet. And so extension, it's like 5 million, right? Yeah. It's four and a half for three years. So, so the, the Florida Panthers are really going. I feel like a question that summarizes them can summarize a couple other teams, which is, can you outscore your problems? And when you have Matthew Kachuk, Alexander Barkov, Sam Reinhardt as your top line, you might be able to. Uh, I think depth becomes an issue for them the more you go through their lineup. They have a few really talented people uh, as you go through, but whether or not that'll be enough to be elite competition, I don't know. But just from an age standpoint, I kind of like them better than Boston. So I have them finishing third in the division. So we just have those two flopped. And uh, yeah, Matthew Kachuk. I think I said Brady earlier. There's too many yeah. of them. There's too many of them. There uh, really is. <laughs> it's like the NHL is this weird, insidious <laughs> league. Um, all right. Uh, the Ottawa Senators. Uh, they got the Brinket. They got Claude Giroux. They got Cam Talbot. Uh I think they're a team that can compete for that A spot. I think this is a bubble team this year. Uh, I am actually really thoroughly impressed that Ottawa has come out swinging this offseason uh, to improve and to become a good team because it it's felt like for a long time they were they just they're there. They're just, it's, it's the senators. Like, you know, the joke of like, you guys gave Mika Zibanejad to the Rangers for you know nothing you you are just that team like you're the east arizona you know phoenix coyotes that's what you are you're the you're you're the eastern conferences version of that but that is a really good analogy for what that team has been for a really long time yeah but this was an offseason that indicates to me that they don't want to be that team anymore that they want to compete and they think that they can put out a team that can compete the three guys I just mentioned, uh, Cam Talbot, solid goalie. He's a solid goalie. He could put up, he's going to put up, he's going to have some hot streaks. He's going to have some cold streaks, but he can keep you in games. Uh, Giroux, good player as well. The Brinkett, good player. Like, I, I really do like what the Ottawa Senators are, are putting out there this year. I, 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 I cannot commit though to them being a player. Yeah, it's really tough to say if they're going to be on that cut. I think them, Detroit, and Montreal are all going to be competing for that same last wild card slot, and they're also going to be competing against the Metropolitan Division since those are wild card slots. So who knows how that'll end up shaking it out. Uh, but I there may not be a team that improved more than Ottawa this offseason. Uh, as you, one thing that I think really gets looked over for them is their their defense has a lot of the old guard there. Nikita Zaitsev is there. Travis Hamanick is there. But they also have Thomas Shabbat to where if you told me Shabbat would come out and win the Norris Trophy this year, I'd be a little surprised, but I wouldn't be as surprised if you as if, you know, Mark Stahl won it or something like that. <laughs> the, you know, he, he's a very underrated defenseman. He's uh, He 
really had a chance to come into his own the last couple of years, especially on the power play. Uh, what is really going to hurt them to start the year, I think, is the fact that Cam Talbot got hurt in a preseason game. So you're gonna, it's going to be interesting to kind of see what they do with that. Uh, but they still have a a little bit of cap room. So if they went out and grabbed someone to kind of bridge the gap, I wouldn't be all that surprised to see that move made. Yeah, uh, it's going to be fun. I think the Senators are going to be a fun team. Uh, I, I want to jump actually to the Canadians right now because you said you see them as being uh, a team competing for that, uh, that one of those bubble teams competing for uh, the final playoff spot. I, on the other hand, see them as maybe the most interesting team coming into this year because going from being in the Stanley Cup final to being the worst team in the league, like they are going to improve. And I love Marty St. Louis. He seems to kind of have a chemistry going with the kids there and really knows how to get the best out of his out of his youth. But I don't think the Canadians are going to have a good season again. I, I think that year that they made the cup run was simply because it was the COVID year. Uh, the yeah, all, all it took was a global pandemic for them yeah. to really be competitive. And and, uh, and don't forget a division where a Canadian team had to make the conference finals. Exactly. Uh, not, and, and the Leafs still couldn't make it out. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's what really stood out to me was some of the acquisitions they made for a lot younger players. Nick Suzuki is going to be the captain going into this year. For a younger guy to be a captain like that shows a tremendous amount of faith in in those sorts of players. Uh, Kirby Doc, who maybe started off kind of disappointing so far, he's there. Jake Evans. Uh, don't forget, they had the first overall pick last year with uh, Yuri Slavkovsky. So this is going to be his first year th- there. And Cole Perfetti still has it, or excuse me, Cole Caulfield still has it totally coming to his own. So there's a really talented young forward group here that I think is going to be scary. Now, whether or not they're scary this year is a little harder to say. Uh, Don't forget, they also traded for uh, Sean Monaghan, and they have Jonathan Drew in there as well. So there's a lot of talent here in the forward group. The defense is, you know, maybe good enough. Uh, when Joel Edmondson and Michael Matheson are your top pairing, you're a little worried about that. Uh, and Jake Allen is there as well for their goaltending. Probably going to be good enough, but not great. Uh, but I don't know. The way it you know this bounces out sometimes, I, I think a lot of people are sleeping on Montreal, and, if, and they could end up being in that bubble as well. I, and consider me one of those people sleeping on them. I just... <laughs> I, I have not been even the cup run. I just was not. I have not been impressed with what Montreal has put out there for a while. Uh, let's jump into uh, a team that. Let's jump into the Tampa Bay Lightning. Let's just do it. Let's let's go for it. Um, this team's good. <laughs> They're still good. Uh, yeah, lost. They lost a playoff series finally, but uh, it was the Stanley Cup final. Uh, and they didn't go out easily. They have the best goaltender in the world. They're good. 
They have some of the best defensemen in the world. Yeah. Lost a lot of depth in the offseason, though. Anytime you got to turn around and trade someone a couple days after the Stanley Cup final, uh, like they did with Ryan McDonough, that hurts a little bit. But see, I uh, like that trade because to me, it's 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 what Tampa has always done, which is they know when to hold them and when to. And somehow they found a way to convince somebody, hey, Ryan McDonough, the guy you saw that could barely hold his own in the playoffs anymore. Uh, why don't you take him for this like six million dollar cap hit and get him off our books so that we can be able to sign some of these guys? Like no, yeah, it, everybody should everybody should have hung up on Tampa when they said to make sure that they couldn't resign people. But no, Nashville came yeah, along. And went, it, yep. You will, <laughs> yeah. It, there's there's never a time where you see GM stop helping teams in bad cap situations, uh, except maybe Edmonton this year. But we'll it's get to close. that. Uh, yeah, that one thing that I think to keep uh, on the horizon for Tampa Bay is that uh, this year's draft, they don't have a first or a second round pick. Uh, and they may end up, uh, well, I, sh- I should take that back. This is part of the uh, the trade for Brandon Hagel. They are conditionally getting uh, either their first this year or next year's first isn't going to be there. So... There's something to be said for, you know, what's the cupboard looking like in Tampa Bay? But at the same time, you you worry about that's the next guy's problem. You know, yeah. if you've got this group like this, you got to take as many runs as you possibly can because those flags will fly forever, baby. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't you don't know. This is going to last. So, so you write it out and you're right. It'd be the next guy's problem because. You know, eventually somebody's going to get fired or take a new job, and it's not their issue anymore to worry about whatever deals they got out or the cap crunch or any of that stuff. Um, Worst case scenario, you can always have Nikita Kucherov on IR for the entire year. Exactly. One or two of them can go to the IR. (laughs) It's Tampa. It's cool. I mean, they were the only team that pointed out this flaw, and every other team was like, nah, it's not going to be. And they went, okay, hold my beer. Um, I think Tampa is the second. Uh, I think they actually pull second out of the Atlantic this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because the team that I have winning the Atlantic this year, very controversial pick. Let's go back uh, above uh, uh, across the border to Canada. I got the Maple Leafs. The Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> really shocking you all. We told you, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> Sabres are going to be good. Uh, no, I got, I got the Maple Leafs, man. I think they take the Atlantic. I think they have a great year. Uh, I'm really excited to see what Austin Matthews does this year after what he did last year. Like, this guy is so good. Uh, yeah. And, and one thing I was trying to dig into with him a little bit to try to get an idea of what it's going to look like when a player has a career high in goals, you want to look at their shooting percentage because you, you'll say, well, this guy traditionally, you know, most of his life he shot nine percent then this year all of a sudden 15 percent of his shots were going in that's probably not repeatable austin matthew's shooting percentage was lower than his career average last year and he scored 60 goals that's unbelievable like the guys are so, it, it, so good it 
Yeah, there, there's no reason to believe that he won't do it again there. And of course, they're gonna, they always have their struggles in the playoffs there, which how much of that is based in Toronto, how much of that is just something in the room, it's hard to say. Uh, but yeah, this, they've got to pull it off eventually, right? Well, not this year, because in my notes, I say they make the playoffs and lose first round. I mean, I don't know how much Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov are going to be your answers in net, but yeah. it they remind me a little bit of the late 2000s, early uh, 2010s Washington Capitals. Such okay. a massive amount of talent on those teams. You just couldn't quite get it there. And eventually they started to blow it up. Whereas you see someone like Tampa who will, you know, tinker around the edges a bit but they don't you know go doing a, a wholesale thing fi firing of everyone on the team and, and i think realistically there's a lot of random things that go into hockey you know you you put a, together a, a team like this with a really solid core and you just have to have confidence that if you have enough kicks at the Eventually, you're going to be able to go all day with it. How, how much of that is going to be just I'm not sure to get out of the first round is hard to say. You know, it can't a lot of uh, weights taken off their shoulders when they finally beat the Penguins in a series, and that didn't stop them from winning the cup. So, yeah, I, I, I won't be mad if I have to keep laughing that they get bounced in the first round, but it's got to stop at some point. Yeah, you're right. At some point, at some point, it really will come. Is I, you know, and this is not going to win us Toronto fans, but like, take your say if you are a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, take yourself out of this. Understand how free it can be, but it is kind of amusing every year that the team is so good and gets bounced in the first round. I am ready for them to finally get past the first round so that the conversation can end. But until that happens, I am going to enjoy the, oh, LOL, Toronto. Oh, LOL, Maple Leafs, Maple Leafs, you know. Oh, they French fried when they should have pizza you know, like one of those things. Like, uh, I'm going to find some type of joy in that. And maybe it's the vindictiveness of the fact of all my other sports teams suck. Listen, in football, I in you know better in basketball. I just kind of don't care anymore because I'm a Knicks fan. So like that type of misery, like I can weirdly relate to. So seeing somebody else in misery makes me go like, you know what? It's not all that bad. <laughs> like, These are my people. <laughs> yeah, I like I feel you, Maple Leafs fans, but I also kind of enjoy the misery of every year the first round bounds. Uh, but yeah, the year that they, uh, the year that they do finally get past the first round, that is the year everybody's eyebrows should be raised because you're right. Once, once the monkey's off the back, once the weight has been lifted, that's going to be a scary team. Like yeah. Scary if they can tail. get past there, that it's going to be hard finding a team that'll stack up to them. Yep. Um, all right, let's wrap up the Atlantic with, uh, the Buffalo Sabres. They'll be better. That's what I got. They'll be better. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and uh, yeah, uh, for Buffalo, my notes are uh, tried nothing all out of ideas. Uh, yeah. the, they, they didn't 
changed a ton from last year. Uh, they are have $20 million in cap space. Uh, they have three picks in the second round already next year. And I wouldn't be all that surprised to see them acquire some more this year uh, out of teams that you think are bottoming out to try to cash in on a really strong draft class. Uh, Buffalo should definitely be on that list. Yeah, they're, they're not, they're not hiding it, but they're also weirdly not like other teams that are just making it so clear that that's what they want to do. Yeah. But yeah, I, 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 but they are just inherently going to better because i weirdly think the jack eichel trade uh gave them a little more of the depth it's 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 something that i argued years ago that i will admit i was completely wrong about uh when we first did this show uh our version of this show when i said that the capital should look into trading ovechkin because of the fact that you would yield such a great return of depth and everything else to go around the team I was very wrong with that, but that has worked out for Buffalo in the sense of they didn't need Eichel. They didn't need the star. They needed a lot of other pieces to round out the team. And those pieces they got, which has now hurt Vegas, uh, but has helped Buffalo. And, and and it's hard to say, you know, I don't know that Jack Eichel is single-handedly tanking Vegas, but I think <laughs> what, we'll get to them. Uh, but yeah, there's... There's a lot of like Buffalo is almost kind of a death by a thousand cuts kind of situation. You gave $9 million to Jeff Skinner based on one good year that he had with Jack Eichel as his center. You have Kyle Ocposo is still somehow in the league is My making God, $6 million. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot to be excited about this team. Uh, it just isn't going to be ready anytime soon. You know, no. your Tage, Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, Peyton Krebs, Jack Quinn, all of these, you know, players have a lot of potential and they all come off their entry level deals at different, different years. So it's going to be, it, it shouldn't be as difficult to manage the cap around them. You can take Kyle Ocposo's $6 million, throw it at Dylan Cousins and probably have a little left over. Uh, but then beyond that, you really got to wonder about goaltending for them as well. Uh, they traded for Ben Bishop, who is constantly injured. I don't know if he's ever going to play again. Yeah. Uh, Craig Anderson's on that team. Craig Anderson is 41. Uh, he's not quite the Mike Smith experience, but he's not too far off from it. Uh, what I was going I, I know Buffalo. Got, I think I know they have one one young goalie in their in their prospect pool, but I think they might have two. But they definitely have one that I know is is getting there to where these goalies feel like kind of just they're bridges. They're the bridge to get you to the to that. All right, here comes our here comes our young kid. Now the weight's on you. Take it over. And goalies in the NHL are either going to succeed or they're going to be a bust. So you never know. You know. Nobody knows where how a goalie is going to pay. Very few that you can look at. There are very few John Gibsons of the world where you go, yeah, that guy is going to be a star. Like he is a good goalie, um, just on a bad team. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 you know the Sabers are going to be the Sabers, man. They're they're gonna they're gonna end up with a 
good draft pick. I, I'll tell you, it's a lot better about him if you had a pick, top pairing of Rasmus Dahlin and uh, Owen Powers, but I'm pretty sure they both play the left side, so I don't know that that will be in the cards. I think maybe Dahlin can play the right side, but I don't... From from what I read, they haven't deployed them like that in the preseason, so that's no good. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the Metro now. Um, All right, who do you want to talk with, about in the Metro? Uh, let's start off with the team I think is going to win the Metro, uh, a team that got veterans for practically nothing in the offseason, and that's the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, this is a good team. Uh, I know Brett Burns probably doesn't have a lot left in the tank, but... It's still an improvement for that team. Uh, I know if we're weighing Tony D'Angelo and Brett Burns, and I hate giving Tony D'Angelo any credit, but mm, he's probably a better option there. But, you know, Burns isn't bad. You're going to get a good year out of it's, it's They got better, man. They got good. Uh, and they were already good. Yeah, they're top to bottom. There is not a lot of weaknesses on this team. Uh, and that's be, and I'm saying that not considering Max Pacioretty's Achilles injury or uh, the fact that they still yep. have Jake Gardner for another year and he's injured too. Uh, but yeah, when, when you have a top line that has uh, Aho and Sveshnikov on it, it you know, you're almost bummed out that there's only one puck because they could pass to each other for their entire careers in a very Kane and Tave situation, I think, is a really fair comparison. Uh, so you you see, saw them tinker around the edges a little bit uh, in the sense that, uh, you know, they have Kaki Niemi who's probably going to slot in as their 2C uh, in place of Vincent Trocek, uh, which will probably be fine. Uh, I am... I am fascinated to see what Brett Burns is going to end up like here. Yeah. Because just the fact that you got him for nothing, uh, he, you know, was in a situation in San Jose where he was, you know, struggling a lot, but at that paycheck had to be the top guy. And frankly, there's nobody else there. Uh, here you can roll out Jake and Jacob Slavin with, you know, Joe Pesh, Pessy with Calvin DeHaan with whoever, and Brett Burns doesn't have to be the guy anymore, which could almost free him up to be your power play quarterback or something like that. Yeah, he's definitely going to get uh, at least start on the on the power play as as their PP uh, QB. But you're right, he's he's weight is lifted. He doesn't have to live up to that contract uh, that. Everybody in San Jose basically got if they were over the age of 35. Um, so yeah, it's it's I'm very excited. This, uh, like, I hate saying I'm excited as 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 somebody who is a fan of a team, uh, you know, in that division, but they're a good team, man. They are, and they are going, they're going to be challenging, they're going to be a tough team this year, that's for sure. Yeah. They were uh, they were my pick to come out of the East last year, if I'm being honest. But uh, yeah, you know it it, uh, it didn't work out quite that way for me. Nope, it worked out better for me. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's talk about the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, one player can change everything for a team. Johnny Goudreau, I don't think is that guy. He's great player, but uh, I don't think he moves the needle up. For Columbus, they will be better. 
but with everybody else in the Metro, with 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 Washington, with Pittsburgh, uh, with the Islanders this year, uh, you know, the uncertainty with them, with the Devils as well. I I think it's going to be too tough for Columbus to overcome uh, some of the teams that are just slightly ahead of where they are. Yeah, and when when you started off with saying you know one player can change a team, I wanted to say can they though? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and if there's any team that knows that lesson, it's the team that had Rick Nash for all of his prime years and didn't sniff a playoff victory during that time. Uh, so don't get me wrong. If you have the chance to add Johnny Goudreau to your team, you add Johnny Goudreau to your team and you figure out the rest of it later. My big concern for them, aside from their defense being a pretty big question mark, is the goaltending. It's they're coming back for another year of Elvis Merzlikens and Jonas Corposalo, who are both below average performers there. And so, and again, can you outscore your problems? Not when all of your talents on one line more than likely. Uh, now what I would foresee being an issue with them is you're probably going to play Johnny Goudreau on the left side with Patrick Laine on the right side. And the question will become, who do you put in between them? Because both of those guys are shoot first forwards. So you need someone that's going to be excel at getting them the puck right now. It's Boone Jenner who I could see being successful, especially if he's your center that needs to go in behind the play into the boards, get you the puck and shoot it up the ice sort of thing. But what I'm really curious to see is Ket Johnson, University of Michigan product, uh, is going to have an opportunity to make the team. And I don't know if you can throw him right into that top line position. I feel like that's a really big thing to ask of a 19-year-old. Uh, but don't forget, they have Cole Sillinger as well. So there's going to be some depth coming up there. The Blue Jackets might take a step back, but the rest of the Metropolitan also improves so much, they might stagnate here. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking, is that everybody else in the Metro has just got better, improved in some way. Uh, and while Johnny Goudreau is a of an improvement, it still doesn't match up with everybody else. Yeah. Um, New Jersey Devils. What's your take on the Devils this year? Uh, much improved, but at the same time, I think they basically looked at the Washington Capitals goaltending last year and said, yeah, we could do that. Let's go with that. Uh, yeah, you know, their, their defense is really taking a step forward in, uh, you know, having Dougie Hamilton there for, you know, beyond his initial entry year, uh, you're going to have uh, Severson there, Graves. There's a lot to like on that defense. It's not going to be, you know, world beating, but it doesn't necessarily have to be just yet. You know, we you have some people that have been around a little bit like John Marino and things like that. Uh, but I I question any team that has a tandem of Vitek Vitek Vancheck and Mackenzie Blackwood. Yeah, it, the goaltending is the thing that does it for me as well. Where I'm like, oh, man, that's a very interesting tandem you got. Uh, but I, I I'm I'm I still think that this is a team that's going to be better. I feel like they've been underperforming, and they're 
their kids are going to have to this is the make or break year for some of them where do they take the next step does this team find ways to win ways to compete a little bit more uh and stay in the race throughout the year i think that they're a good team but i just it's hard to see them again taking a leap in what is i i truly think that the metro is one of the harder ones to it's one of the easier ones to figure out harder ones to figure out as well yeah i I mean you could see new jersey making the playoffs you could see them being a bubble team uh uh, what i think might bottoming bottoming out (laughs) yeah yeah what i think was a sneaky good move by them this offseason is they signed andre palat uh, now, you and I naturally have a lot of love for any former Norfolk Admirals that we come yeah. across. Uh, and as much as I roll my eyes a lot at, uh, you know, the rings in the room uh, sort of concept, going out and getting a guy like that that isn't completely ancient and decrepit at this point is a really strong move by the Devils. Uh, I think a little bit back to... Edmonton when it was Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Taylor Hall, uh, all these young guys without anyone to really, you know, show them how to take that next step or teach them how it's done. And Andre Pilat might be perfect for something like that, considering all of his success in Tampa Bay. Yeah, it's um, they've got the guy in the room now. And, and that's what I mean is, is it's for me, they are the will they finally take that next step? Will they progress forward or is this team going to kind of be looking at themselves at the end of the year? Build, you know, but we've got Hughes and Hughes is starting to get a little bit closer to, you know, everybody's now a year older, you know, is this, do we want to wait till 27 uh, for Jack Hughes? You know, like something along those. Uh, So Devils are going to be an interesting team to watch. Uh, We kind of hit on it earlier. The New York Islanders, I think this is a very interesting team to keep an eye on. Uh, fired trots, I think that is a horrible move. Uh, and and kind of the traditional LOL Islanders type of move. Yeah, uh, I, they, I, I, I feel like a lot of people don't call for Lou Lamorello's job. Whether that is out of respect or out of fear, I can't really say. Uh, but the fact that you had a lot of Islanders fans really calling for his head uh, says a lot. The, the the one bright spot that I can point to what Lou's done with this team is he has not surrendered a single draft pick for any of the next three drafts. So I think that if you if they are a bubble team, that gives them some options to try to tool up and maybe make that final push towards the end of the year and if they are garbage well then they have the opportunity to maybe move a couple of guys and uh benefit from something like that uh but this preseason zach parise was being run in their top line uh which you know hey it's a preseason experiment you know figure out what you got but uh uh, similar to what I called attention to before, Zach Parise is older than we are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's the thing. I feel like they're in full Lou mode where it's it's guys he likes, but it's guys that it's like, yeah, Lou, 10 years ago, five years ago, 
you know, not now, not not when you were in the Eastern Conference final two seasons ago. You got to improve. Like it's it's great that they have their draft picks, but again, you you were in the Eastern Conference final two years ago. You couldn't find a way to improve the team. It feels like they've regressed so much so to where I'm like, well, you know, the next team we'll talk about, the Rangers, have clearly reached a point where they might have surpassed you now. And you've got to compete might? with teams, yeah, <laughs> might have. Uh, and you got to deal yeah. with the legacy teams that are there, like the Capitals and the Penguins and the Hurricanes, the ones that are just, no matter what, consistently solid every year. So I, I think the Islanders compete for the bubble, but miss the playoffs again. And if that happens, I am so curious if Lou keeps his job because. How he has managed to keep it still to this point, I, I get. I know I'm screaming. You were in the Eastern Conference Finals just two years ago. Still, I do not know how he's managed to keep his job because I think it was all Barry Trotz, and now that he's not there to to cover his his butt anymore, these decisions of not being not making the move, uh, the secret signings that were n- never happening, all of these non moves are going to. Come but you never moved the needle for us. You just kept it in one spot and everybody else fed past up. Yeah. If you, uh, if you swing and miss on cadre or something, that's very understandable that, you know, maybe you had something else worked out for this year and it didn't quite play out, but you usually have, you know, a plan B or a plan C to go to where the Islanders are more or less just stayed the course, change the coach. And I think Lou has done a good job of putting them in a position to go on a playoff run in 1992. Uh, but I just don't know that his style is really going to cut it anymore. Yeah. Um, move on to uh, a team I've, I've, I've teased a few times, the New York Rangers, uh, where their big offseason move was they let, they let a lot of the guys that they had traded for at the deadline that helped Eastern Conference final walk. And they signed Vincent Trocek over Ryan Strom, which I actually think was a really good signing by the Rangers. I know we can get into six years, the length of the deal and all of that, but he's a number two center. I think he uh, offers better hand Strom as far as scoring and as far as passing goes. Uh, he is definitely hands down now the best center that the New York Rangers have. And that is something that destroyed them last year. Over uh, Zabinijad? Uh, well, as far as face-offs go. Um, okay. I should have clarified that. As far as face-offs go, he is absolutely the best center they have now uh, because they struggled with face-offs. If you remember the Eastern Conference Final, they just got... I mean, they were getting a, uh, annihilated by the Penguins, but it really, really just... You know, they were able to overcome those deficits where when you face a really good team... Uh, they were not able to overcome it there. So I think he helps them at, with the faceoffs. Uh, penalty killer, power play guy. A good signing for the Rangers, but this is a team that, let's be real, is really going to lie off of Shisterkin. <laughs> let's be real. That's, this, is, this is the Lundquist days of the Rangers. As much uh, as things they, change, they stay yeah, the same. They very much stayed the same. The Rangers just fell from one Hall of Fame goal into potentially uh, another Hall of Holy. Uh, but yeah, it, it's going to rest on his on, on a lot of his shoulders and his pay. 
the crazy now, stretches that he has. Now, I had one thing that I wanted to ask you about for the Rangers here, uh, and that is uh, Lafreniere and Kako uh, yeah. in the preseason are being rolled out on the third line, which makes a little bit of sense to me for Lafreniere because you're not putting him ahead of Chris Kreider, and you're certainly not putting him ahead of Artemi Panarin. Uh, but for Kako, what does the future hold for him? Is Is this... You know, going to be a Philip Zadina type that just never really quite lives up to it, or is there something greater on hand for him? I I do like the fact that the Rangers are rolling those two out with uh, Yedel in the middle, so they're doing the kid line, and that line really, really showed off what it is capable of in the playoffs. I mean, they were game changing in some of those series for the for the Rangers. So, I, Kako wise, like it's tough because being scratched in games, you know, in an elimination six of the Eastern Conference final, it makes you think that maybe he doesn't really fit into uh, Gallant's style or his system. They say they're committed to him, but. I don't know. It's it's really hard to to pinpoint uh what's going to happen with him. Like this this could be the last year of Kako as a Ranger. Like this might be the hey man, we need the breakout year or you know, it's time to move on. Lafreniere uh you know, yeah, you're right. He's not going to be bumped ahead of Panarin. He's not going to be bumped ahead of uh uh Kreider. I do think that there is a future for Lafreniere to play up on the first or second line, but he will have to play his off wing. He'll have to play right wing. And I think that there is a future of Lafreniere playing right wing, but yeah, wise, this this is the make or break for him. But but again, I do like the fact that the kid line is together. Yeetle, La, uh, Laffy Taffy, and uh, Kako. Absolutely. And, and yeah, and from top to bottom, this Rangers team is real, real solid. I think I would expect them to finish second in the Metro. Uh, but, you know, if you if they ended up first, you wouldn't be that surprised because the uh, a lot more love than I am. <laughs> well, well and, and here's the big thing is that I have always kind of felt goaltenders fall into two kinds of camps. There is the Dominic Hasek camp, to keep it Red Wing-centric, that will go out and win a game for you. You can have no business being anywhere in that game. You can get outshot by 20 shots, and because he puts on a dominant performance, you still end up with two points at the end. And what most goaltenders today are now is the Chris Osgood camp, where you don't have to steal the game, just don't cost your team the game, and the team's going to go on to win something. You saw that with Darcy Kemper for the Colorado Avalanche last year. And so the number of goaltenders that will be in that Dominic Hoshik camp is so few and far between in times like this that someone like... How do I say his name? Shesterkin. Shesterkin. 
There we go. Uh, yeah, Shashurkin really stands out as somebody that is able to do that. And, you know, we've always said that goaltenders don't age that well. But, you know, he's only 26. I think they've got a lot of good years ahead of them as long as he's able to kind of maintain that. Yeah, you figure at least another five good years tops before the decline starts to come. Uh, but it's, yeah, uh, I have the Rangers finishing third in the division, though. Uh, Interesting. Uh, the next team, though, that we're going to talk about, I have them as a wild card team, and that is the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, the core is older, but they're still together. Uh, they're just one of those teams where I've said it a few times. They are a year older. They've aged, but every time I'm like, when are they going to have the San Jose arc fall off? Crosby ends up putting up like a hundred points. Everybody just ends up being as good as everybody is. Like Tang there. It's just, it, it's mind blowing at the, fact that it's like, well, if it hasn't happened yet, I'm not betting on it this year. I, I'd rather put them in the playoffs and then go, oh, damn, there's there's the f-. Then go, no, this is going to be the fall off and be made a fool because Crosby's really good. Yeah, there is, there's a lot to be said about the fact that they always have a chance when they have the three of them together. Crosby, Malkin, Latang. Uh, Latang, not nearly as much in recent years. I thought the deal that they gave him was a little bit ridiculous, but he may have kind of had them over a barrel there. I don't really know. Uh, they've locked up a lot of the support players, and I think you and I are kind of of the same mindset that, you know, it's never really the 9 or $10 million deals that sink your team, right? Because everyone's got that. And, you know, you have McDavid, the other team has Matthews, you know, cap-wise, they almost cancel each other out. What really sinks your team is the five or six million dollar players, and they have quite a few of those that may not live up to that. So I do, it's not being top heavy so much as it's not utilizing value in other places that you can get it. But at the same time, you know, how much influence does that old guard have over the team where they really want to keep some of these other, you know, your Brian Russ, your Ricard Raquel's and things like that. I don't know. Hard to say. Yeah. Um, Moving on to the Capitals. uh, They're kind of the same boat as the Penguins for me. A team that keeps getting older, but the core is still there. Uh, I think they're going to finish second in the division this year. I think they do finish ahead. of. You're out of your mind. Uh, I know, I know, know, uh, because there are so many questions with the Capitals. Like, I I know I keep saying the winner, when are the teams going to have the shark fall off? When are are these guys going to finally, it's all going to. And you should ask the question of why was the Stanley Cup winning goalie made so available and the Capitals jumped on. But at the end of the day, that is an upgrade at goalie for them from last year. And it is still the same team that's going out there. And they were a team last year with the team. So, you know. They've made improvements where they needed to. Ovechkin is freaking going to break Gretzky's record at some point. Uh, you know, I did want to ask you about that. <laughs> yeah, ask away. <laughs> okay, so, so here's my big thing for the Capitals. is They're always going to be fun to watch. They're always going to be motivated as long as Ovechkin's going for that record. And I'm of the mindset that he will eventually hit the record, too. But what's really going to suck is no Nick Backstrom this year. 
had the big hip surgery, will be lucky to be walking after that surgery before he does a whole year's worth of rehab. So he's had the type of work that players don't always come back from. So the the fact that this might be it for him is kind of scary. Now, to put Kuznetsov in his position as the 1C, not the worst idea I've ever heard. In fact, they may have been split up. Uh, Ovechkin and Backstrom may have been split up a number of times here, and it doesn't always work out poorly for them. But I think that's a huge, huge hole. It's it's not there because they neglected anything. It's just really tough to bounce back from that. Yeah, that was that was a surprising blow, uh, but also shouldn't have been that surprising, uh, truthfully, because you know it's, Backstrom's had a few injuries here and there. But I think it's kind of one that they can get over and they have such a strong team. You met, you mentioned Kuznetsov. They have some really solid players there. Like they are the type of team where I'm always like, Oh, that's the thing. And then somebody steps up for them. It's really, I have to, I, I had to listen to the fact that Colin played for them and was stepping up and doing things that he normally never did because Ranger fans are under the impression that that guy was like a one, a first line player. No, he was just doing the depth things that, for some reason, Capitals players always do, and Penguins players. They are the teams that really get great depth out of their guys for whatever reason. So, yeah, it's a blow, but I think the Capitals are still in a good position going into this year, and I think that they are one of the uh, solid teams to come out of the regular season. Uh, I don't know if they've got that cup run in them, but they're definitely... They got an 82-game run in them that's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Now, now here is the thing to discuss for Ovechkin. Okay. Uh, he surprised pretty much everyone in the hockey world last year when he went off for 50 last year. 50 goals, that is. Uh, so that puts him at a career of 780 for goals. To beat Gretzky's record, he needs 894. Well, to tie it, he needs 894. That's 114 goals that he needs to score, and he signed for four more years. Now, what that tells you is that he needs to average 28 and a half goals over the next four years to be able to break that record. Yeah, he's he's probably going to hit like 40 this year. Hey. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how realistic 50 is. You know, the Russian machine may never break, but it does need to slow down at some point. But, but it, it's hard sitting in his spot on the power play. He's going to he's going to get a 15 goal. And, and, and if he and if he misses it, uh, you know, at the end of this contract, they'd be crazy not to sign him for another year or two to make sure that he gets it. Okay. So my question to you is this. He missed his entire rookie season because of a lockout. Uh, the 2012-2013 season, he missed half of that because of a lockout. Thanks. And then he, <laughs> and, and then he missed portions of. I think it's safe to say, you know, a quarter of one season, a quarter of another because of COVID stuff. All three of those added up. How close would he be to the record if he got to play that full? set of it because i don't know that it would be enough for him to get to the record but man it might be really close i mean i feel like he would probably be within about 70 goals if he got to play 
a season and a half uh, worth of games. Because you figure that rookie year, he probably would have had 30. You know, what did he have his rookie year, actually? I think it was like 30, right? 52. Oh, no, no, no. All right. I well understood. Uh, I, I buried him uh, in wrestling terms. I buried him right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if he had 52 his rookie year. Yeah, he absolutely would have been like this would have been. It would have either been this season or it would be next year. Yeah. Like yeah. that's that's that is crazy. But hey, what, you know what? what? I'm I'm loving it though because uh, to ask you, how do you feel as a hockey fan that we're probably going to see somebody break who many people consider the greatest player of all times record for most goals in his career? Like, how do you feel about that? Are you like no, or you're like hell yeah? This I'm is great I'm excited. I I hope he does it against the Red Wings at a game I'm able to go to. That's what I want to happen. I just had a terrifying thought. Okay. What if it's against Arizona? Well, uh, all those college in the kids Arizona State time. Arena, <laughs> <laughs> the hundred college kids that showed up. the 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 Greek Life Night is going. <laughs> um. All right. Final team out of the uh, Metro. Uh, I'll make it short and quick on them. The Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, my biggest excitement. Less for them said the is- better. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, my biggest excitement for them is just to see the John Tortorella experiment play out. Because you don't go out and get John Tortorella if you're tanking, right? You go get John Tortorella because you feel like that's going to get you over the hump. You, but uh, I, yeah. I just... And, and part of what they're going to struggle with isn't their fault. You know, Sean Couturier's out possibly for a very significant amount of time. Ryan Ellis isn't going to play a game this year. That's how hurt he is. Uh, your defense is even pro- Ivan Provorov, Rasmus Ristolainen, and Tony D'Angelo ha- has, you know, some good names to it, but then it just drops off a cliff for him. Uh, no one knows what to make of Carter Hart at this point. Uh, you had the first overall pick in, oh God, who was that? He's he ended up in Vegas, Nolan Patrick, uh, but that just didn't work out. It's I don't know what this team's doing, man. I can't wrap my head around this. Uh, I can't either. That's why they are. I'm sorry if you're a Flyers fan. It's it's going to be a <laughs> long year. And it's going to be fun for all of us on the outside uh, watching John Tortorella freak out and the first time they get blown out and somebody suggests going to Hooters after the game. And <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to get, it's going to be, oh man. The torts experiment well, is going to be a lot of fun. Cause you're right. You don't hire. You do that. If you think you can compete and this team cannot compete. So yeah, oh, it's just, it's setting up for bad. The, the more I'm looking at this roster, the more I just do not like it at all. This, you know, they talk about teams tanking. Philadelphia could be competing for the first overall pick without trying to do that. Yeah. That's what this team is like. And it's, we'll see what happens. Uh, all right. We did it. We got through all the uh, East teams. Let's move towards the West now. Yeah. Do you want to split this into two episodes? Because I know we've been going a bit. <laughs> I was wondering that as well and thinking, what if we keep pushing forward and then I just split it up afterwards? But uh, 
we could split this up into two episodes if you'd like to. Yeah. Or we could start yeah, just trying to do these a little bit quicker. Like, but, you know, really I think we have, have to give the in? people, we got to give the people what they want, Nick. They want our in-depth analysis of the Western Conference. Okay. Okay. I'll spend time on, on the Coyotes then. I won't just throw them under the bus <laughs> or throw them into an 8,000 uh, seat college arena. Um, We'll we'll give them 8, the respect. Eight thousand generous. Yeah. <laughs> Five thousand. Sorry. Uh, all, right. all right. Yeah. There we go. That's uh, that's the debut episode. Uh, hopefully, this all recorded. Otherwise, good God. Um, <laughs> you're not doing it a second time. That's what. I'm... <laughs> nope. You're just. Everybody's just going to get the West Coast and be like, "What happened to the East?" Well, it's the lost episode. Um, <laughs> well, cool. Thanks for hanging out, buddy. Uh, and yeah man yeah there's our there's our east preview our west preview uh will be coming hopefully uh right as the puck drops we'll uh we'll drop that episode two for you and then we'll get into the season my god it's hard to believe it's already here that we're finally getting back to the regular schedule i know thank you all for listening it, it just feels like it was only three four months ago where i was screaming and losing my mind said hockey was stupid and didn't want to watch the Stanley Cup final because I was very sad for game six. For those of you that don't know Nick, there is no more fun uh, experiment to do than asking Nick hockey questions after the Rangers have been eliminated. You don't talk to me after that happens. You don't talk to me after <laughs> the Rangers have been eliminated. We don't talk about Bruno, and we don't talk after the Rangers. <laughs> All right. Peace and love, everybody. Later. Tell me who is she?